Welcome, everybody. This is Jeff Davis, director of the Ohio Department of Developmental Disabilities. And we've got a very special guest with me today. Cameron Mitchell is founder and CEO of Cameron Mitchell Restaurants. And for those of you uh, lucky enough to be from Central Ohio, you'll know that Cameron Mitchell is an icon in every possible way. So he's written a book. He, in fact, he has restaurants nationally, and or let Mr. Mitchell touch on that if he wishes to. But he's written a book recently called Yes is the Answer, What is the Question? And the subtitle is How Faith in People and a Culture of Hospitality Built a Modern American Restaurant Company. And his restaurants are known for hospitality, known for great food, too. So I want to jump right into it, uh, and Cameron, to say thank you so very much for joining us. My pleasure, Jeff. Pleasure to be glad to be with you today. You were known for uh, building that culture, for getting to yes, and for saying that your customers are second and your associates, as in your employees, come first. So I just that's an open lead, but that's a lot in there. Tell me what you wish. How do you do this? Well, you think uh, being CEO of a restaurant company, you know, I would say the customer comes first. And um, a lot of restaurant companies out there in, in the United States, as a matter of fact, operate that way. And I look at it a little bit differently. I look at, I want to build a restaurant company that's built by its people for its people. And I look at it as we have a direct relationship with our people, not with our guests. Our guests are taken care of by our people. So I look at it as a triangular relationship. We want to take care of our people. They're our number one goal. And they take in turn take care of our guests, and our guests in turn take care of our company. So uh, through coming back and enjoying their experiences at our restaurants. So um, that's our focus, and, and we have one of our, our eight core values in the company, and uh, the number one core value is our associates come first. And, and, you know, when you put your people first, the the results are spectacular. When people know how much you care about them and how important they are to the organization and, and how how much they're valued, then they in turn uh, care about the organization and want to do well for the organization. I appreciate that. So what does that kind of look like on the ground? How do you actually do that? And how do they know that, you know, this is what you really mean? Well, um you know, a lot of it's based on the golden rule. It sounds so simplistic, but it really is true. And, you know, uh, just a simple example might be um, we're closed all the major holidays, uh, seven major holidays a year plus uh, Super Bowl Sunday. And, and the reason is because I don't want to work those days, and I don't think other people want to work those days. And so, you know, I want those days to be with their friends and their family and enjoy the downtime So, uh, versus having them to come in and work. And, and that's just a simple uh, example. We have hundreds of examples of, you know, um, what we do for our people, especially our people are in, who are in need, you know, and uh, we, we've rallied uh, our troops many hundreds of times over the years for certain associates that are in need or, or whatever. And, and um, you know, whether it be time off or uh, the need for scheduling for, you know, classwork or studying or vacation or whatever, you know, um, they know the answer is going to be yes, and, and we're going to take care of them. So uh, we have people here with very, very low turnover within our restaurant company. A typical restaurant company, USA, um, loses about 40% of their managers and 80% of their hourly employees every year. And uh, uh, we, last year, I think, had uh, 10 or 11% manager turnover and 
in the 40s for hourly turnover. So we have um, very high retention rates in our company because people enjoy working for organizations. Yeah, I appreciate that. Just out of curiosity, why why such high turnover, do you think, in the restaurant industry? Well, because there's a transient nature of the job uh, for openers, uh, a lot of students and young people, not not at nearest professional servers and professional cooks and so forth. But uh, there's uh, the transient nature. Sometimes people think the grass is greener on the other side, et cetera, or they're moving. Uh, but within our company, you know, uh, people tend to want to try to stay, and they don't really believe the grass is greener. And and they find their home here for as long as uh, they need be. Yeah, I appreciate that and applaud that. <clears throat> so, in your, you know, as I read through, uh, I would argue to anybody to take a look at. Yes, is the answer. It's really a fantastic read. Thank you very kind. So you started early. It, it really covers your journey. But but you literally at, at a certain point decided that you wanted to own a restaurant company, not just a restaurant, not just be a top chef, a restaurant company, and you took pencil to paper. Right, right, and set down your goals. Yeah. So if, maybe you want to touch on those. Well, I'll give you a long way to answer on this one, but the, you know, the book itself is a two-part book. It's uh, uh, the story of my personal journey, the Horatio Alger story. I was uh, came from a broken home, uh, was uh, gun and drugs and alcohol as a youth, uh, dropped out of high school, uh, eventually came back and finished almost dead last in my class. You know. Uh, 592 out of 597 at a 1.05 GPA, and I was kind of going nowhere. I didn't want to go off to college right away because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And, and I fell in love uh, with the restaurant business, and I wrote out my goals one night at 19 years old. I said, you know, I had this epiphany that I want to be in the restaurant business for the rest of my life. It was during a crazy shift change in a Friday afternoon at one of the restaurants I was working at. So I went home, and I, I heard about the Culinary Institute of America, which uh, was in Hyde Park, New York, and top culinary school in the world, and, and I said, well, I'm going to go there, and I'm going to become executive chef by 23, general manager by 24, regional manager by 26, vice president of operations by 30, and president of a restaurant company by the time I was 35. And that was the key operative word there, a restaurant company. And so I, I woke my mom up at 1 in the morning, and I uh, told her what I want to do the rest of my life. She was quite relieved, and I and I started to pursue those goals, and I achieved every single one of them. And and I um, so that's the first part of the book of how the Horatio Alger story of going from that high school dropout and runaway and troubled youth to building this national restaurant company. And and um, I later on when I was twenty six or twenty seven, excuse me, twenty eight actually. I was running this local restaurant company, for, uh, uh, the operations for six restaurants. It was owned by some wealthy local business people, and we had an operating partner that they had hired and had to help them build this company. And um, he was in charge, and he was a great guy, but he was kind of a micromanager, and he got more frustrating to work with as we got bigger. And, and these guys didn't, the owners didn't care about us as restaurant people, and I started getting frustrated and hitting my head on the ceiling, and I was a local restaurant company, uh, restaurant uh, on a Friday night, and um, I was 28 years old, and a chef owner was working in the dining room after the after the busy shift, and walking around, convincing with guests and so forth, and I just watched him for a few minutes, and that's when it hit me like a ton of bricks. I said, you know, I'm going to start my own restaurant company, and so I left my job five weeks later and uh, started to work on Cameron Mitchell Restaurants, and the very first thing I did for the first 30 days was... Uh, uh, work on uh, writing and developing the company culture, and because I knew I wanted to build a restaurant company based on 
a great uh, set of values and, and company culture. And so I did that and then set about the course of building a restaurant company wrapped around that culture and values. And that's exactly what I'm still doing today, 27 years later. So the second half of the book is about all about our company culture and values and and how we put that to work and how that has helped uh, create the restaurant company that we have today uh, with 60 restaurants across the country. Yeah, I'm sure that you have told that story many times, but I certainly appreciate it. It is a remarkable story. And you, know, you talked about a little bit, you, you touched on you know other restaurant companies, restaurants across the country, but you decided on culture. You decided on culture. Nobody said to, you know, give us a hint on that, and then, my God, you put, you literally did put pencil to paper and start out on that journey. So what made you do that and what made you realize how important it was? You know, I don't know. I got lucky um, to a certain extent. I don't know how. Uh, I wasn't like I was some great leadership expert at the time or anything like that. I just uh, innate in my gut knew that we, you know, I wanted to have a company that was really values-based and and had this great company culture that was going to get it through. And so I started reading you know, I spent a lot, I spent a lot of time at Barnes and Noble grabbing books. I had it was kind of funny. My one bedroom apartment I had at the time, I had uh, you know, I was in my it was in the summer time, so I'm in my shorts and t-shirt, and I'm got you know stuff taped up all over the walls and poster boards and scratching and writing and rewriting and and adding to and and so forth, and then you know, and finally got what I think was the final product, and and we've been doing that ever since, and and. It turned out to be very fortuitous because, you know, uh, that culture and values is really what, as Karen Mitchell Restaurants is all about today, and it's the backbone of our company. It's the framework. It's the bricks and mortar, you know, that hold our company together. So, um, and it's even stronger today than the day I wrote it. And, and But it has to be practiced every day. It has to be challenged and, and, and lived up to and all those things. And, um, you know, it's just been great for us. So I don't know how I got so lucky and, uh, but then, I, you know, once I got that done, I started the process of trying to open our first restaurant. And, you know, that was extremely challenging, trying to put the first, you know, trying to raise the money and find a location and get a landlord to lease to me and, try and, and you know, take a chance on me and so forth. And it was just, uh, uh, I was like a salmon swimming upstream the entire time, you know. I mean, uh, the inertia against you uh, trying to start something like this and, uh, and you have nothing. All I have is a legal pad and a pen, and a couple thousand bucks in my name, and, and my one bit of apartment. You know, it just took a lot, a lot of perseverance. And uh, you know, uh, I had 250 potential investors. I ended up getting 25, so I had 225 of them say no. So nine out of every 10 uh, said no to me. And it just uh, um, it was a challenging time. It took me 14 months to open up the first restaurant and. I have a picture on my desk. I was down rolling change to buy groceries. I was down to my last $70 before I finally got the restaurant funded and was able to write myself a check back for all the money I'd spent on copying and printing charges and mailing and so forth. And I lived off that money until we opened up uh, May, or excuse me, that was March of 1993, and we opened up October 5th of 1993. And I was able to start to draw a salary and... and uh, We've built about 90 restaurants since then. Yeah, it's an amazing story. And, of course, for those of us that are, that have been fortunate enough to eat at many of your restaurants, we know just how wonderful the experience is. So you, the title of your book is Yes is the Answer, which is really getting to yes, which is some of the things we're talking about in our system, right? And so how do you get to yes? 
you know, we as human beings uh, are generally a little bit lazy, I think, for the most part, and it's easy for us to say no. When you say no, it requires no action, you know? You don't even want to do anything. No, you can't do that. No, no, I don't want to do that. No, no. And when we have a culture of yes, so example, this podcast with you today, I could have said no, right? <laughs> but I said yes, and so we had to get it scheduled, and we have to make the time, and now I have to do the podcast, and so it takes work. It takes effort. Um, and when we say yes is the answer, what's the question? We mean it by way of attitude. Does that mean you can bring a gun to work? No, is the answer. You know, can you sexually harass your workmate, workmates? No, you know, absolutely not. Uh, you know, can can guests smoke in the dining room? No, absolutely not. So uh, it doesn't mean we say yes to everything, but what it does mean is we try to say yes to everything we can. We have that as our, our mentality. That um, you know, we find the word "no" rolling off our tongue. We try to say, "Is there a way we can say yes? Is there something we can to, to say yes?" So uh, we talk about that all the time. Reinforce that day in and day out in our organization, and we have uh, uh, what we call a milkshake uh, story to reinforce that. And it, it stems from um, we've always had yes as the answer. What's the question? Is part of our culture has been the founding, you know. Uh, piece of our culture, but uh, not till many years later, actually, in uh, 2002, I was at a local restaurant with my wife and kids and my in-laws. I had two boys at the time. I've now since then had another girl, but I had a girl, but I had two boys, four and two, and I wanted to order a grilled cheese from my son and my, my server said, we don't have grilled cheese on the menu, and I can't, we can't do it. So no was her answer, and I said, uh, well, okay, um, I'll tell you what, I'll take a club sandwich, hold the turkey, ham, lettuce, tomato, mayo, middle slice of bread, and if you could saute what's left on each side in the pan, that'd be great. So I got my grilled cheese sandwich, and then I wanted a chocolate milkshake for him, a little chocolate milkshake. She said, well, we can't do that either, I'm sorry. And she says, all we have is a big Haagen-Dazs, 32-ounce, huge, soft-whipped ice cream milkshake. I said, okay. I said, will you just ask your manager to make a little chocolate milkshake for me? She says, okay. She goes over to talk to her manager. Her manager shakes her head no. And she can't do it. I said, well, will you ask your manager to come over and see me? She said, okay. And my wife starts kicking me under the table. Don't do this. I said, don't make a thing. I go, I'm not going to make a thing. I just want to know why. So she comes over and says, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. We can't do it. We pre-portion the ice cream. And if we use a little bit of the ice cream for your son, we'll leave. What we do for us? Okay, I said, well, can you make a chocolate milk for me? And she said, yeah, I'd be happy to. And so she starts to turn around and walk away to get the chocolate milk. I said, hold on a second. I said, uh, uh, on your menu here, you have a warm carrot cake and a warm chocolate cake dessert. I said, a la mode, two ninety five. What does that mean? So that's a scoop of ice cream to go with the warm dessert. I said, great. Can I have an order of a la mode to go with that chocolate milk you're going to make for me? And if you could whip that up in a blender for me, that'd be terrific. And she chastised me and said, well, uh, okay, sir, but that's going to be expensive. Just totally, you know, rude. And, you know, my wife says, we're never coming here again. It's ridiculous. Da, da, da. So I'm, uh, a couple of weeks later, I'm a keynote speaker down at the Hyatt Regency in Columbus. 500 people uh, for our local business magazine here and um, talking about, yes, is the answer. What's the question in our company? It wouldn't happen in our company. And then about... Uh, Two weeks later, a gal comes up to me on the streets. My husband saw you speak at the Hyatt. Thought it was great, but he so I went into one of your restaurants. I went to the bar and tried to order a chocolate milkshake, and they wouldn't make it for me. They said they don't make chocolate milkshakes here. It's like she punched me in the stomach in the middle of the street. You know, I, I 
I'm like Chicken Little, an entrepreneur. You know, I'm always nervous. The, the sky's falling, and so I go into my our Monday morning leadership meeting. I'm fired up. You know, the yes is the answer. What's the question? Uh, you know, what do our people understand about that? Why, why would you say no? We couldn't make a chocolate milk or milkshake. And so we started to brainstorm, you know, let's use this story and make this milkshake as our icon of hospitality and and, um, and uh, to define yes is the answer. What's the question? And so we created flow, the server, with a big beaming smile, the chocolate milkshake on our tray. And we tell uh, the story every day. Every, every uh, new associate for our company, new employee, starts a four-hour orientation about our company culture and values. And so... We share this story. We have a video they watch, and we made milkshake pins for everybody for years of service. And we, and you know, it just this really isn't enough. That we got to do more. And so we we decided let's make everybody that starts their company on the first day of work a chocolate milkshake, and as we tell the story, and really reinforce it. Oh, that's great. That sounds great. Let's do that. And then now let's do more. That's got to be more. So now. Every meeting we have in the company, every major meeting, um, leadership conference, presidents roundtable, staff meeting, whatever, uh, we start out with a milkshake for chocolate milkshake for everybody. Do a milkshake toast. To yes is the answer. What's the question? Here's to great people delivering genuine hospitality. And so uh, today we make thousands and thousands of chocolate milkshakes every year within our company. Um, and I always joke, uh, sure, our chocolate milkshake bill is pretty high, but. Uh, it uh, reinforces that day in, day out. Uh, there's milkshake posters everywhere, our employee manuals, the uh, flow with the milkshake. I mean, it's everywhere within, internally in our company. And so um, that's how we've uh, uh, gotten known for some great hospitality out there because we, we, we live by that credo. You know, you really have built, built a brand, and I know that. You know, that helps. So people probably come to you, pretend associates, employees, knowing, you know, what your brand is and what is expected. But, of course, you can't be in all your restaurants at one time. And it is about the experience that you just said. It's just about that experience. So what sort of and, – and you've got to get management to buy in. Then you've got to get your, you know, on-the-ground associates to buy in. So how do you how do you sort of continually do that to make sure that – that you are that your associates are representing your brand and your culture. It's uh, uh, you know I said earlier it's a company's built by its people for its people. So we have you know we have hundreds call it CMR Cameron Mitchell restaurants, hundreds of CMR marriages, hundreds of CMR babies, uh, people building their careers with our company. I say all you have to do is look to your left, look to your right, and you'll see someone that's built a successful career with their company, and and so you know. Uh, if you don't live by our culture and our values, you won't survive long in our company because our people will make sure you do. And, and uh, it's a living, breathing thing. And it's just, um, you know, uh, our company, our, our, our people, our company are our number one cheerleaders. And, and they're working hard uh, to build their careers uh, and to work hard to build a company for everybody else around them. Yeah, closing thoughts from you, if you have any. You know, I just, uh, I tell you, I was at a speaking engagement yesterday. Uh, for a organization, um, um, uh, I forget the exact name. I was like, you know, what is your word? And, um, it's a it's a organization for youth out there that they try to encourage all these young people out there across the world uh, to identify a word um, that defines them, that you know, uh, drives them, that that 
you know, uh, that has been very powerful for them in their life. And, and, and so I got to speak to this group and, and I chose my word as culture. And I talked mm-hmm. about how, uh, our culture and our values and has been, uh, defined the way we run our business and defined the way I run my life. And, um, it's, it has, you know, saved my life and helped build, uh, um, uh, my life what it is today. And so <clears throat> I thought it was pretty, pretty unique exercise and I thought it'd be, you know, good to share and I couldn't wait to share with my kids, you know, to, you know, to find their word. And I think it's uh, something to just think about and, uh, you know, what, what word, uh, best, uh, has impacted or defined your life in some fashion form or another pretty cool way to go about it. So that's my closing thought for the day. There it is. That's absolutely beautiful. Once again, thank you so very much. This has been a treat in every possible way. And I can't tell you thank you enough. Thank you, Jeff. And uh, take care, everybody. Thank you. 